Welcome to episode number two of the Managing Your Microsoft Digital Solution Series. I'm your host, Andrew Walker, alongside David Crouch, and it's good to be back. We got a lot to talk about today, including the latest on Microsoft news, product reviews, and our regulars, Doug McLaughlin and Elsa Kermani, will stop by. And we have a new guest on the show, Judy Fun, will stop by, and it's going to be a good one, right, David? Andrew, it is. Uh, it's a very full program. We're about a month away from when the spring release, obviously it's not spring, uh, of Dynamics 365 drops into the cloud ready for people to use. I'm not even sure now when it's supposed to be because Microsoft keeps changing the date. You know, the good news is lots and lots of new features. The bad news is we're not exactly sure when it's all going to be ready and when some of them are going to be preview and when some of them are going to be ready to go. So... That's why we're analyzing and explaining to Microsoft customers over the next three podcasts what all this change is about. Speaking of change, we're tweaking the podcast a bit based upon a good initial response, right, Andrew? We are indeed. And in addition to the core podcast, we'll also have a companion blog that summarizes the podcast. And we're also releasing infographs and blogs based on our podcast reviews. And all of this is available through our digital digest site at itk-d365.com and our main ITK site at itk-inc.com site. So let's get right to it with the news. Now, obviously, with the spring release and various Microsoft briefing sessions, there is a lot of news to talk about. David, what are the key points? Well, Andrew, I was astounded to learn that Microsoft believes that this 2017 spring release is the largest ever. I didn't think anything could top last year's spring release, where most people are still digesting the mammoth amount of change it brought. They're focused on five key issues. User interface changes. An AI and machine learning app called Customer Insights. Relationship sales. What they call, and this is where it gets a bit technical, extensible and scalable application platform. And finally, business edition changes. Now, we'll explicitly cover that point in our sister podcast, the Dynamics 365 Business Edition. That sounds like quite a bit to cover. We're also joined by Doug McLaughlin, and it's great to have you back, Doug. Uh, Give us some of the highlights of what most of ordinary people can relate to with its user interface. Thanks, Andrew. I think one of the most significant things is the change to the user interface, Uh, particularly um, the main desktop and web interface is going to be updated this spring to be more modern, cleaner, and more attractive. It's going to have a really nice visual separation of elements on the screen, nice things like standard fonts, some more color theme options, um, basically just being a lot easier to use and looking a lot more modern. They are also planning to take this updated user interface and sort of unify it across the platform so that the phone, the tablet, and even the Outlook integration Uh, coming in the fall update will all use the new version of the user interface. Mobile is also seeing a lot of improvements. Uh, They've talked about faster load times, uh, better offline access. Uh, I think those changes should really improve user adoption and improve the experience uh, for users on mobile. And I think really one thing that I'm excited about is 
the introduction of something called action cards. Uh, this is something that we're going to see in the new uh, Relationship Assistant, which is part of Relationship Insights. And I know keeping all these pieces straight is, is difficult. There's so much going on. But I think the main thing here is that this is uh, one of the first really significant pieces of AI and machine learning. And Dynamics will be using these cards to proactively suggest and provide insights uh, for actionable activities. Uh, and that's based on your past actions in the system and your, even your past communications, the past emails you've sent. Uh, so things like date reminders for an opportunity that's nearing its close date or even if you've missed a close date. And I think, if I recall correctly, there's about 30 of these different action cards that uh, users can uh, interact with. So machine learning and AI are really coming along, and that's pretty interesting. So, David, how are they going to help salespeople like yourself? Well, Microsoft's doing many things in their determined, dogged, and persistent attempt to disrupt Salesforce's continued number one market position. Now, Salesforce is really number one based upon, they were the first one, judging by their name, on Salesforce automation. So Microsoft just keeps adding more and more features into the uh, core sales app and they've added a whole bunch of different little things that are helpful right now the two new ones which are very significant customer insights really is a part of the um, ai suite so it actually does things in um, azure and then bubbles down a lot of its suggestions into Dynamics 365. And most of these suggestions right now and the examples they're showing uh, are related to helping salespeople. And they use what Doug's just talked about, these uh, action cards. The current um, application as it as it is in terms of customer insights is really in preview mode. And uh, to me, it looks like uh, you'd really need to work with a data scientist to get it all set up. But once you do, I think it's going to be uh, tremendous. Uh, on the other hand, they also have, um, and they, they name these things so close to one another, it really becomes confusing, but uh, is relationship management, which is really a suite of types of things. Some of it is going through your, uh, your inbox, your Outlook folders, and so on and so forth, and starting to prioritize things or make suggestions to you. Now, if you're overwhelmed with your email like I am, this could be really, really helpful uh, so that they'll, they'll bubble up. Did you know you have a deadline here or this person sounds like they want a response? So that's part of it. The other part of relationship management really is them leveraging their, their investment uh, in LinkedIn. And we're going to see lots more of that coming over the next couple of releases. But this is where they're actually linking some of your uh, LinkedIn things, especially if you're using uh, Sales Navigator and LinkedIn, and then bringing some of that information directly across into Dynamics 365. So Doug, the last key point is a technical, extensible, and scalable platform. What does that all mean to average customers and users of Microsoft products? Yeah, Andrew, there's a lot going on here. Um, there's, there's an underlying technology to all this that Microsoft calls the Microsoft Graph which is basically uh, a set of single um, interfaces or APIs into all of the data in your Microsoft uh, Cloud account. So your Dynamics data, your Office data, and even uh, if you have uh, systems in, in Azure. Um, and it's, it's a way that all of this stuff can be accessed you know, through one sort of 
technical interface. And this, this allows the, the machine learning and AI to have access to all the data that you basically grant it. So that, that's how it can crawl through your emails and your documents um, and the data in Dynamics and then start to you know, look, look for patterns and look for actionable, uh, you know, actionable things in the data. So that, that Microsoft Graph is something that they've been building out and working to get the development community to really understand. And, and uh, you know, without getting too, too technical, that, you know, that's really, I think, the core of, of what's sitting under a lot of this. Any last comments on the news, David? I just wanted to follow up on on Doug's point there. This uh, extensible and scalable platform, which we've been seeing for about a year, is really Microsoft completely building the way all these cloud resources are going to be uh, accessed, and that's what Doug was talking about. And I, they're they're going to mean that you'll be able to combine. Uh, various types of services and applications into more and more unique bundles. And I understand uh, for next year, 2018, they're going to be coming out with the platform so that uh, partners like ourselves can actually easily put together uh, tailored products and, and services and use their platform to deliver it. So it's it's quite a big change. And I think the UI is a huge part of it, getting that part of the uh, the platform right. As we've discussed before, Microsoft's really focused on digital transformation. You hear that at every one of their briefings. And so it's really much more than about Dynamics 365. It's about their entire business applications ecosystem. Office 365, Power BI, the common data service, Power Apps, information of things, customer insights. Digital solutions are really based on value-added integration across all of these components, including Azure. The cloud is real, and Microsoft is currently the leader, despite what people think, over AWS and Google in terms of providing positive business outcomes. Doug. You and I are going to try and fly solo without Andrew keeping us on track. Let's see how we do covering our regular segment on digital solutions. Doug, to start off with, do you want to just recap Microsoft's four key pieces or components? Now, there's a diagram that we'll have in our companion blog, but of what they think of as digital transformation. Thanks, David. Yeah, I think we'll do just fine without Andrew. Microsoft basically has this vision that they believe applies to all organizations, large or small, public or private, and there's four components to that. They are engage your customer, empower your employees, optimize your operations, and transform your product. Um, today, let's just deal with the first one, engage your customer. David, what do you think customers want in a digital solution? Yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, uh, looking at what, how, and of course there is a, an age divide here, but uh, what customers really think of, I think, when they, when they think they're doing digital. I think that they expect to interact through a variety of digital channels, whichever digital channels they're most uh, comfortable with. I think... Another key thing is that customers just assume that you have all the information about them at your hands, no matter who they're communicating with. I think obviously that with social media and texting and messaging, that's really created that customers want rapid response. I guess another thing is that customers expect you to keep changing technology. So if some new platform suddenly takes off and we don't know what it's going to be, I think they expect you to be on it pretty quickly. Uh, can you think of anything else? 
Yeah, well, I think um, I'll play off your first point a little. You know, you talked about sort of interactions through a variety of digital channels, and I think that's true, but I think it, it gets even a little more interesting because I think customers now increasingly expect to be able to seamlessly switch between channels, even in the course of a single sort of interaction. So they might start on your website, uh, want to move to a chat session, end up on a phone call you know, with your customer service agent, uh, possibly in a co-browsing session where you're both looking at the same screen. David, these customer expectations present some interesting implications for organizations that are building digital solutions. Uh, you must be meaningful present on digital media relevant to your business. I think that you need to be able to rapidly prototype and deploy new solutions. Uh, in our view, Microsoft is great at adding new features and allowing you to use it as a digital springboard for new features and customer interactions. Uh, are there any implications that you can think of, David? Well, one of the keys that you know that uh, we really believe in here at uh, ITK is integration. And, and I coined something, and I, I've heard other people say it, that integration uh, trumps best of breed every day. And that means much more than just data integration, which we talked about uh, customers expecting. It's also process integration. Customers want you to know everything about where they are in various process, whether that's a buying process or a support process. They expect you to know that, and you also have to have that fully integrated. I also think that it means integration across communication channels and productivity tools so that enterprises can get back to customers and prospects quickly in high quality ways. Uh, thinking about it, I, another implication is intelligence and some of that we talked about in the previous section that you need to see lots of intelligent data about customers, their interactions, their behaviors. You need to have that. You need to model it. And then I think this is this whole direction for artificial intelligence is then pumping this mass of data into various types of processes that will come out with useful suggestions to people. David, I think there's a lot for business organizations to think about. Um, we'll summarize these points in our blog. Um, for now, let's throw it back to Andrew. David, it's great to be back home. Home is where I want to be. I've been on the road so long, my friend. And it came along, I know you couldn't Welcome back. We are now looking at our feature product review and the last time we looked at Microsoft Teams, which has really helped so many companies improve their teamwork. Let's see what we think of Project Services Automation, one of the Enterprise Edition apps. David, first off, what is it? Well, Andrew, Project Services Automation, or PSA for short, provides end-to-end -end support for selling, resourcing, contracting, delivering, and invoicing for any project-based business. It really treats services properly within Dynamics 365, starting at the lead and opportunity process all the way through quotes, contracting, and then through timekeeping and invoicing. It also has a great resource management module, tailored dashboards and BI for any project-based business, and it incorporates standard project structures and Microsoft Project as well. So what's your bottom line on PSA? Andrew, my bottom line is speculate. That means watch it closely and probably have a proof of concept going if its functionality applies to you. That's interesting. Why is that? PSA's process coverage, fit, integration, and strategic direction are perfect for any project-based business. However, 
There's two drawbacks at this stage, whether you be a PMO or some kind of services practice or ways of running projects. It has a lot of power and a lot of capabilities, but really difficult to get it perfectly tuned to you. A second drawback, which is which much more minor, is that there's a few cases of instability, but they're making rapid progress in this. Um, it's been in general lease since November, but it, like Dynamics 365 for Finance and Operations, has monthly updates. So they've really addressed a lot of the instability issues. So how did you come up with this review? Well, Andrew, we downloaded and purchased a separate version of the PSA app for us to do kind of test and research and development. For the last five months, we've been trying various scenarios that fit different consulting models, fixed fee, body shop recruiting agency, small work plans, etc. We also implemented click dimensions into this instance so that we can go through the whole life cycle from marketing, often now called getting attention, through to time reporting and invoicing. Finally, we're also using it ourselves for some of the business that we have on our books right now. Judy Fung, one of our senior business consultants, has been leading much of this effort. Let's get her views on key strengths and weaknesses of PSA. Judy? Thanks, David. Um, yes, with PSA, Microsoft has essentially added project-based services on top of the traditional product-based sales processes in Dynamics 365. Now that sounds simple enough and intuitively it, it really is, but there's actually a lot packed behind that. Firstly, they, they have leveraged their strength in the projects domain. And so say you're making up a quote and you know of a similar project in the past, you can use that project to drive your estimates and timelines for that quote. So it's, it's pretty simple that way. And there's also integration in terms of resourcing for a project team to accomplish that as well. So they make it really easy to leverage on past knowledge that you've already done. On the resourcing side, that's, that's another strength I think it has. PSA supports a decentralized model of resourcing where a project manager can simply book off the resources that they want. They also support a centralized model where you have a resource manager fulfilling the resource requests as they come in. And you can do you know, both of them or one or the other, but that's not all. They support this third model, which is from a resources perspective. And I, you know, that's, I think it's about time. As a resource, I can use a mobile project finder app to look for my own projects. It'll match it with my skills and show me projects from past team members. So I can make requests for these projects and, and I can even update my skills. Um, one of the last strengths I want to mention is to do with project pricing. On top of the traditional role-based pricing that I think a lot of people are familiar with, it supports inter-organizational pricing. So that just takes steps it up a level. So for example, if you need resources from another internal resource pool that has different pricing, um, say from a different region in the world, it supports that too. And once you get the prices set up, it's just click, pick your resources from which region, and you're all set to go. Well, it sounds pretty great, but there's got to be some weaknesses. Yes, there, there are a couple. Um, the first one off the block for me is the current lack of support for subcontracting. In some organizations, not all work is done internally, and there is a need to subcontract out work in projects. Currently, there's no separate pricing model to support that. And you know, from the back-end perspective, you know, to match up the subcontractor invoices. Uh, there should be something in the future, but we haven't seen it yet. So 
so we're all holding on to that. A second weakness, I believe, is the lack of some simple level of support for tax calculations on invoices. At this time, if you were to just add in GST, it takes a custom workflow or some scripts to achieve that, so there'll be some customization. I know the direction that they want is to integrate the invoice transactions with your financials. And for the long-term solution, I, I also believe in that. But if I just wanted to get a simple invoice out the door to my customers, strictly using PSA with the simple taxes, it's not quite there yet. Wow, very comprehensive. Uh, David, what are your views on the strengths and its weaknesses? Well, Andrew, for me, the key strength is completeness and integration. I think that is the crucial criterion for any application in the digital area. One can run their entire business, as we're starting to do, right from this one app with its integration with Office 365. For instance, adding opportunities and projects through Outlook is easy, as is integrating invoices through Word, etc. Now, Judy's talked about a couple of these things in terms of subcontractors and GST problems, but you can actually get around them. It's just not as elegant as it could be. Overall, though, this is a powerful app, which I expect to stabilize and solidify very quickly. And I expect to see, and we're working on one, for instance, tailored versions of this for certain purposes, certain consulting models, etc. So I can see people having a tailored model for uh, IT PMOs that really incorporates Microsoft Project and, and another one, uh, a tailored example for a recruiting agency where they're really emphasizing building on the resource management and staffing board features. Excellent. Well, that's a wrap for our future product review for the Project Services Automation application. And be sure to look for the review infographics on our website shortly. PSA is something that all project-based organizations, large or small, should be looking at closely. And coming up, lessons from the front line. I'm awesome. It's Now we're into our segment, Lessons from the Frontline. David, I understand we have an interesting experience in terms of digital solutions with a small client. What do you have to report? Well, Andrew, we've been working with a small membership-based not-for-profit, and we have just converted them uh, onto Dynamics uh, 365 sales uh, for their membership. Uh, up until then, they had been using a whole bunch of freeware types of products that were not integrated at all, and the membership database was really uh, quite screwed up. So this was also the first time they were ever going to go through an, an annual membership renewal, and in fact, with what they had before, they couldn't possibly do it. So this is a great example for smaller businesses on what we mean by a digital solution, that we use marketing automation, email, the website, the membership database all connected together electronically so that their customer interactions, in this case members and employee interactions, were all electronic and intelligent. The second key thing here is that this was all done without any code. We used two instances of Dynamics 365 sales. That was because there was some, uh, we were in the middle of, of 
converting some of their existing membership data and we wanted to make sure we had a clean version versus a not clean version. We also use click dimensions. We used one of the many PayPal plugins for WordPress and then we provided a lot of the automation through workflows and of course Microsoft Flow in order to accomplish this so that it required minimal monitoring and effort. So to begin with, let me just uh, bring in uh, Judy Fung, who's new to our podcast here. And Judy did a lot of the uh, marketing automation, email marketing, that part of it. Judy, why don't you just uh, give us a quick uh, overview and uh, what you did? Thanks, David. As you mentioned, we use Click Dimensions to develop their email marketing campaign. And particularly, we developed what you call a drip style campaign where you can specify different marketing paths depending on a person's response to the initial membership renewal email that we sent out. So for us, where the different paths really came into play is when a person did not respond to the initial membership renewal email. So if they didn't respond within a certain time frame, we set it up so that a friendly follow-up email would be automatically sent to them to see if they had just forgotten to renew and we did it just one more time to give them a second shot at it if they did indeed forgot again. In each email, we easily added an opt-out option. And if they clicked on that at any time, their opt-out request was immediately reflected back in the CRM. So where this comes into play is Click Dimensions checks this flag for each future email request and they won't send the email out if I had mistakenly included them anyway. So that's really comforting to know that they've got our backs on this one because it's really important these days that if they opt out that you honor that request. Another feature we use is their special profile management fields. You can easily add these special fields that updates a person's contact information in your CRM if you include them in the Click Dimensions web content forms. So we use this kind of form on the renewal link in the email. When this link was clicked, the special profile fields would contain their current contact information. And if they updated it, the updates automatically went back to the CRM without any coding whatsoever. And after that, we directed them to their website to complete the membership payment and one last feature I want to tell you about is how nice their campaign monitoring interface is. It is so slick. There's a visual depiction of the entire campaign flow with statistics all along the way and of course including the conversions. So for them, it's the members who renewed. Email statistics for each mail sent are easily accessible from this view and there's even information in a separate visual depiction of the progress of each participant in the campaign too. So all in all, it was actually a very fun tool to use. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Judy. As, as Judy said, it was, it was very uh, powerful uh, combining the automation and using the various aspects in Click Dimensions and then routing it out to uh, a couple of different ways for, for payment processing. We're going to hear from Elsa now because she actually put together quite a few little um, scripts in, uh, in, in uh, Dynamics 365 workflows and Microsoft Flow to, to help with that. Uh, Elsa, why don't you just uh, give us a background on what you did there? 
As you noted, David, we had two distinct instances of CRM, dynamic CRM, and one was the one where we had all of our client data, and the other one had click dimensions installed on it. And we wanted to connect these two, in, uh, these two separate instances using Microsoft Flow and having an, um, an event in one trigger a flow and accomplish a task in the other one. Integrating these two and connecting to both of them using Microsoft Flow was pretty easy. And I instantly put, well, not instantly, it didn't take me a long, a long time to put in a Microsoft Flow where changing a field in one triggered sending out emails or other tasks in the other environment. And this was quite useful as Microsoft Flow provides you with a little flow diagram so you can track the steps through your flow. And you can see what's happening, where it's failing, which record it's working on, and integration and working. And the whole process was really easy. It didn't require any code. Okay, that's great. And you also had, because again, we had some complexities there. You also used the workflow for something. Uh, because this was a membership-based uh, group that requires a lot of public donations, and uh, we were trying to make it very simple for members to not only do their membership renewal, but also to donate money. Now, you also had some uh, really clever ways because we wanted them to just pay one amount. But uh, you also put in some interesting workflows to handle uh, splitting that up. Oh, yeah, that was super easy and fun. So I created a little workflow that whenever the amount of the donation slash membership was above a certain amount, then it would create a new record and call it a donation and it would attach it to the original contact in that system. Okay, so there we have it, Andrew. Um, so even for smaller clients, they can use digital solutions where there's virtually no contact. I mean, one of the things we haven't mentioned is as soon as the people paid, um, the treasurer would get uh, email notices to go take money out of PayPal, etc. And completely without code, you're able to integrate this, uh, this solution. A lot covered there. Thanks, guys. Coming up, a jam-packed mini-review segment with Microsoft Teams, Flow, and Staff Hub. Stick around. Time now for some mini reviews, and we're looking at three different platforms. Elsa will be recapping Flow, and Doug will join us later with an update on Teams. But first, we will start off with an app that's been out for a few months now called Staff Hub. And in my opinion, this should have been released years ago. And Elsa, I'm sure you're going to agree with me with this, right? Absolutely. I just can't wait to start talking about how wonderful this new product is. Exactly. So for those who don't know, Staff Hub is a program that works on your electronic device, most notably your iPhone or any mobile. And it allows staff members in a company to manage and swap work shifts with your coworkers and let your boss approve requests. And it also lets management create schedules, approve time off and do vacation requests. And they can also share important content with the team on the go. So I'll give an example. Let's say that I work at a department retail store. I have an afternoon shift in a few days that I can't work. And you know I hate having to come into the break room get a sticky note and write if anyone could cover it, put it on the schedule. It's just so awkward to do that. And then even if I have to message all the team members on Facebook, text or WhatsApp, and then I got to wait all day for someone to get it, it's just a huge pain. And, uh, you know, most people on their days off want to relax and not have to worry about their 
schedule like has this ever happened to you Elsa? absolutely i used to work for a grocery company when i was in high school and every time like i had a event coming up or i couldn't work or i needed to swap shifts with somebody i had to chase them down call them in the middle of the night and be like can you work tomorrow then call my manager and there was no text back then actually there was i'm not dating myself here <laughs> but i had to call the manager and let him know that we were swapping shifts and if he said yes there was no way to track that you know that it had been approved so i am totally in love with the new staff hub i agree so staff hub fixes this problem by having someone request time off or a shift change through the app and they can choose who wants to cover it so you don't have to do like you said also where you have to message every single person and frantically get this like if you see someone that is doing a morning shift and you have an afternoon one that you can't do you guys can swap it and you're also able to request vacation time directly through your boss. So in reality, almost all the businesses I've worked in as a high schooler and even when I was in university, this would just make things so much easier. And I think this is going to be a game changer, don't you think? Uh, if I may, another thing, another um, aspect of Staff Hub that I really appreciate is sharing internal resources. Like an employer can easily share the company handbook or notifications via the app or, you know, if they have access to their desktop and you get it right away. As opposed to, you know, the password that would print like 30 pages and then hand it over to you and, you know, you have to go read that. So this is a lot easier. And it is a great tool. But David, how about Staff Hub in supervisor mode? Where do you think it's going? Well, Andrew, it's uh, just as good on the desktop for the uh, supervisor. It's a very clean layout with just simple functions that are powerful. You start by defining your teams and putting them into departments or groups or whatever your organization has. And then it has a schedule mode where, whereby you can have it depending on what type of schedule you're doing, whether it's day, week, month. Um, you have a management mode where you're putting people's shifts in and then you have an overview to look at everybody. And then um, it also has a great file area where it's very easy to, to upload files, whether it's HR policies or for, say, one particular team, if they're doing uh, digital things, you can have uh, electronic files come down to them for their work. So it's a really, really simple and powerful user interface. In terms of where it's going, that's a great question. I think that Microsoft is onto something here that they're leveraging the powers of Office 365 and they're starting to create a series of what I'm calling these value-added applications, Staff Hub being one of them, that draws on everything and it just is very clean, it's easy to use, and I expect in general to see a whole bunch more value-added applications. For instance, they, they have one for people uh, called bookings, which is for like doctor's offices or anybody that's using external people coming in to book for them. I think Staff Hub, which uh, is part of what they call their kiosk, is is going to be a, a great growth area for them. Um, so I would expect them to be sort uh, supporting this uh, for quite some time. And uh, I think uh, we'll throw it back to you, Andrew, because I think there's another mini review coming right up. Thanks so much, David. Elsa, you have a review on Flow. What's new there? If you listen to my last podcast, I reported that Microsoft Flow required some coding background. And honestly, I was a little bit reluctant to use it. Today, however, I am super happy to report that after working with it for a while, I find this a very fascinating tool. And I'm very happy and excited to use it both for our company as well as our clients. 
So what I pretty much discovered with Microsoft Flow is this is one of the most fascinating aspects of it, that you can connect two distinct uh, Dynamics 365 in environments and you can have an event from one environment trigger a Microsoft Flow and accomplish a task in the other environment. Working with it was very easy. It required uh, literally zero coding and I was very happy that I could monitor its status and it provides you with something, uh, it provides you with a little flow, so a flow diagram so you can go through different steps and see where it fails. Overall, I find it a very useful tool. Thanks so much, Elsa. And last but not least, Doug is back once again with an update on Teams. Doug, what are the updates? Hey, Andrew, there's lots going on with Teams. Um, a couple of things that I'm excited about. Uh, coming soon, uh, Microsoft is adding some third-party cloud storage options into Teams. So if you've already, if your company already has files in Dropbox or Google Drive or some of the other cloud storage providers, you're going to be able to easily integrate those files right into Teams. Um, of course, we really like OneDrive. And uh, you know, with your Microsoft account, most accounts now give you a terabyte of storage. But if you've already got um, and you're already using those other systems, you're going to be able to uh, pull files directly in from there. Um, something else is the online meeting experience is getting better and better. You can now be in a meeting, uh, screen sharing with your colleagues, and then if you need to, you know, stay in Teams but navigate away from that meeting to go, you know, click into another channel or do a search. You can still uh, view that meeting uh, sort of in a little pop-up window and then easily click back. Uh, so that allows you to sort of you know, stay in context. Um, one other thing that is pretty cool in its early days but uh, is this uh, introduction of something uh, called actionable cards. And uh, this allows uh, connectors in Microsoft Teams uh, to not only surface content from that system, so systems, for example, like Trello, uh, which is a project management uh, system, uh, can uh, present cards with tasks, and you can actually update the task right from the card directly in Teams, you know, set a due date, add a comment, and that data will go right back into that system. So I expect that we're going to see a lot of that kind of integration uh, in the future. And then finally, I think, uh, you know, I think I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but we're really excited about even just the simple integration of being able to email messages into a Teams channel. Uh, we've been doing that manually when, you know, we have an email that we want to share with a team. But we've been starting to work with uh, Dynamics 365 and writing workflows that automatically uh, send messages into a team when a certain event happens. Um, and that, that's really powerful and, and quite interesting. Uh, as you could probably guess, Andrew, I could go on and on, but is, is there anything that, that you like that you've seen that's newer? One of the things I like, uh, especially on my mobile device with Teams, is the fact that I can view all the files in OneNote, whereas when I started with you guys last year, I remember uh, David introduced me to the app where I'm able to chat uh, not only with you, but with um, you know the rest of the uh, co-workers. And before, though, I couldn't be able to edit any of the files or be able to view them, whereas now it's finally updated, so I can finally see all of them if I'm away from my laptop. And that's one thing that I really enjoy. Yeah, that's a really good point. They've added the ability to view your tabs. Uh, so if you have files or you know other content that's linked in a, in a channel's tabs, uh, you can easily get to that content now. So that's a, that's a great one. Exactly. But just like you said, Doug, we could go on and on. I know there's a lot. I know that David has his final thought coming up, so we'll have to wrap it up. But Doug, Elsa, thanks so much for your updates.
Well, we've almost reached the end of our podcast, but to wrap things up, as always, David will give his last take with the final thought. Thanks, Andrew. I've entitled this thought, Glimmers of Brilliance. Let's talk about managing work, both individual and work groups. This is the essence of any business enterprise. To a Dynamics CRM person, this is embodied in what we know as activities, tasks, appointments, phone calls, messages, etc. But it's what everybody does, whether you're an individual person trying to get fit or a business enterprise trying to handle customer fulfillment requests. On an individual level, we're now starting to see Microsoft have great integration with their new app to do and Outlook and Dynamics 365. The same activity is starting to come together across apps and devices. We're also seeing this with messaging and phone calls from LinkedIn into Dynamics 365. I personally love the new mobile app To Do for its simplicity. Now, I've used both To Doist and Wonderlist before, but I wish people would stop complaining. They are feature rich, but the most important thing is pulling all of this stuff together so you can see it where you want, when you want. And this is starting to come together in brilliant ways. On the work group side, Microsoft is starting to do some enhancements. They use Planner, which is a Trello-like planning board. They obviously have a fully robust thing in Microsoft Project. And within uh, PSA, which we've talked about earlier in the podcast, they have work breakdown structures. They're starting to integrate these. Now, this is where you're doing planning either simply or complexly for all sorts of teams. And Microsoft is similarly moving to integrate these. So once... All types of activities at the individual or work group level are consolidated so that they're shown to you where you want them in the manner you want them. We really have another fantastic digital solution. This is the essence of the concept that I've been trumpeting for so long. Integration beats best of breed every time. Microsoft To-Do is going to be better than Todoist when it absolutely incorporates things from across the business domain automatically. I see this integration in Teams and I see it coming here. That's a wrap for our jam-packed edition of the Managing Your Microsoft Digital Solution podcast. And be sure to check out our summary blog online at itk-d365.com. And why not visit us on our brand new website at itk-inc.com. All of our infographs that we mentioned today will be posted on our Twitter and Instagram page too, and you can find out our social media name in the description below. I'm Andrew Walker, and you are in the know.